Welcome to episode 3 of Astronomy Outreach Podcast. Just show the moon already. Imagine this, you've just set up your scope for some astronomy outreach. The people are lining up at your scope, Saturn's well above the horizon in a great spot, and you just know people want to take a look at Saturn. They go up to the eyepiece, they look, they're like, where do I put my eye? How do I do this? They look through the eyepiece for the first time. Wow, cool, no way, I can see the rings. I can say I've heard that lots of times. They don't believe it, right? They don't even think it's real sometimes. Instead of Saturn, let's substitute the moon in that scenario. The moon's up, maybe first quarter. They get up to the eyepiece and take a look. Wow, cool, you can see the craters. Isn't that exactly what happens? Isn't that what they say to you? Well, unfortunately, many amateur astronomers have a negative opinion of the moon, usually because they're astrophotographers. They want to go out on a moonless night because they want to shoot pretty pictures of some deep sky objects, and that moonlight gets in the way. And so their relationship with the moon is confrontational. It's adversarial. So when it comes time to set up for a star party, they want to use their fancy equipment to show something deep sky. They don't want to show the moon. They hate the moon. Everybody wants to look at planets. Everybody wants to look at some of the deep sky stuff, galaxies, star clusters, right? Even when you're in a light polluted area where it's tough to see the deep sky stuff and the planets are up like they were recently and the moon is up at the same time, more often than not, most of the people are going to have their telescopes set on one of the planets and not the moon. And while we can get into the redundancy of having multiple scopes on the same planet, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about an active decision not to show the moon. And I guarantee you, you're in an astronomy club where at least a couple of people that do outreach willingly choose not to show the moon. Now, I'm not going to rag on the people that actually do show the moon. Y'all are great. You have it set up. It's easy to track. It's easy to find. It takes very little effort. Some of y'all even go to the, the star party without bringing your moon filter. And so you blind everybody. But that's beside the point. You're showing the moon. You don't need somebody to nudge you to tell you to do it. You want to show it. What I want to talk about are the people that just refuse to show the moon. They're not excited about it. They don't think the public wants to see that. They want to show the public what they like. And that's great. You've, you're enthusiastic about the things you love. I get that. But the public loves the moon. I'll say that again. The general public loves the moon. They react the same way they do with Saturn. That's why I started this episode with that example. They get excited. They say, wow, they say, awesome. Come look at this, mom. What I want you to do is take a step back and think back to when you first started doing this, when you first got into the hobby. You probably got a cheap little refractor. You set it up. What was the first thing you looked at? Probably the moon. And how did you react? You thought those craters were amazing. You reacted the same way the general public does to Saturn and to the moon. You were them once. You were excited like that once. 
I think many of us just forget how excited we were to look at the moon for the very first time. I still remember the cheap Jason refractor that my folks got looking through, trying to get the, the moon lined up, and finally seeing the craters on the surface. I don't remember what I was looking at. I did not know the surface of the moon like I do now. But I can tell you, I was ecstatic. I was amazed. And isn't that what we're supposed to do for people at Astronomy Outreach? So let me step back for a second and tell you why I'm talking about this the way that I do. I was in a different club and I basically took on the role of star party coordinator. I would go around and assign objects to people based on what I knew they liked to show, what they were good at talking about. And there were some people that were better suited to show certain things. And when I would come outside with the note cards and hand them out to people with different factoids related to whatever they were showing, I would give them a choice. You know, I wouldn't say, here, you're doing this because... No, no, no. I would give them a choice of three or four things and say, hey, which one can you talk about? Here are some facts just in case people ask or you want to talk more about what you're showing. Oftentimes, I would pick lunar features. The Apennines, Rupus Recta, Aristarchus, Theophilus Cyrillus and Caterina, Montes Juna. There's a lot to look at on the moon. You don't even have to get into the Apollo missions and the landing sites. You can just show craters and say how far across they are, talk about mountains and say how high they are, and that's enough. You let the view through the IP speak for itself. But when I would bring those note cards with me to the star party and hand them out, nine times out of ten, a lot of the astrophotographers would look at me like I'm crazy and say, no, I don't want to show the moon. Or they'd agree to show the moon, and somehow they'd end up on Jupiter. Or they'd end up showing some kind of deep sky object. And you would end up with like three scopes on Jupiter because people decided to do their own thing. And nobody was showing the moon. That happens. It may happen in your club. I don't know. But if it happened to me, it probably happened to you at some point. Or it happened within your club at a star party. Remember, the Star Party is about outreach to the general public. It's not about going out like we do to Okitex or TSP and looking at M13 and showing their propeller dark lanes inside the globular cluster. It doesn't dwell on looking at planetary nebula and averted vision and all that stuff that we know and love. The general public is not an amateur astronomer yet. They want to look at stuff that makes them say, wow, we should do that for them. And when I hear amateur astronomers say, I don't want to show the moon, I see somebody that's being selfish. I see somebody that's forgotten what this was about. I see somebody that has forgotten that first view that they had of the moon. And so to them, I say, just show the moon already. And I can already hear some of the complaints. Oh, it's going to kill your night vision if you look at the moon. And then you're not going to be able to see this galaxy or that globular cluster or that planetary nebula. I get that. What you do is you arrange the star party in such a way that the natural flow of traffic either shows the moon first and then allows people to adapt. 
or shows the moon last so that people have been dark adapted, got to see the deep sky stuff, and then blow their night vision looking at the moon. There's a strategy to it. You don't have to do it. You could bounce around and have the moon in the middle at the beginning. Low power view, wide field, zoomed in on craters, whatever. And then have the guy next to him showing the Andromeda galaxy. Or have somebody with their computer screen up taking a long exposure photograph of the Andromeda galaxy. Or showing the Pleiades, right? Or showing the Orion Nebula. Their night vision is going to get blown because they're looking at the bright moon. You're going to have to consider that for your star party and plan accordingly. But that doesn't mean you don't show the moon at all. I've even had members suggest that they plan a star party for the general public on a date when there is no moon at all. And that's definitely doable. But you end up worrying about cloud cover and light pollution and other things that may get in the way of showing those deep sky objects. I've had other instances where they'll plan a star party where it's closer to first quarter and they negotiate with these amateur astronomers and say, listen, we'll show the moon, it'll set, and then you'll be able to show the deep sky stuff. And it appeases that population. I think that that's the battle that we're fighting. We're trying to appease people that don't like the moon at all. And I think that's where some amateur astronomers have found themselves. They just see the moon as an adversary. It's something that harms your night vision. It's something that prevents you from taking a long exposure photograph and getting the results that you want. And these people bring that negativity with them to a public event. And to sort of bring this full circle, it goes back to the reason why I started this podcast in the first place. I see a general lack of enthusiasm for outreach. This is just one of the many instances that I've observed that seem to hinder the experience that we're trying to provide to the general public. But think about all the teaching points that you can provide just by showing the moon. Okay, You could deal with the people that are flat earthers. You could deal with the people that don't believe the moon landing ever happened. For those people that grew up watching the space race and the moon landings, it gives you an opportunity to get really enthusiastic about something you saw with your own eyes. It could inspire a young person to decide that they want to try to be an astronaut. You could link it to the news story about the rocket stage that's going to crash into the moon. You can talk about the big whack and the formation of our solar system. Massive bombardment creating the South Highlands. How the Earth and the Moon are tidally locked. And why we only see one face of the Moon at any given time. Talk about impact craters and how they form. Use the water droplet example where the bounce rebounds and creates that central peak of a crater. You could even bring in Galileo and proof of a heliocentric model and Venus in a crescent phase. You can latch on to the supermoon hype or the blood moon hype for eclipses and other major astronomy events around the moon. For those of you that like to bring your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone out with you to these events, go ahead and download the Moon Globe app. It's going to save you a lot of grief if you get questions about names of craters, how far across they are, 
or facts about the Apollo landing sites. Those questions are going to come up and you're going to need to be able to answer them. If you don't know them off the top of your head, having the moon globe right there at the ready on your phone is going to answer those questions really quick. It's a free app, so go ahead and put it on your phone. One thing I like to do with moon globe is actually put it next to the scope on a little skosh magnetic mount and have the view of the moon there so I can show them, hey, this is what you're going to see through the eyepiece. This way, once they get their eye on the eyepiece, they know what to look for, or it's already familiar. They're ready to go. You've primed the pump. They know what to expect. But you know that's going to open the door to the next thing I'm going to mention. Bring some kind of phone mount. I like the Celestron XYZ cradle, but have some kind of phone mount so they can take a picture of the moon and take that with them. Ownership of that picture is something I've actually written an article about in the Reflector magazine for the Astronomical League. There is a phenomenon out there that gets people into our hobby by giving them ownership of the photo that they took. Sure, they got to see the moon, but they're going to want a picture. They're going to want to remember that moment. And I guarantee that giving them that opportunity was going to change them forever. They're going to share that on social media. Their friends are going to see it. They're going to comment on it. They're going to love it. And they're going to ask, where can I do this? Where can I come see the moon? It's free advertising. Go ahead and do it for your club. It's a great way to get the word out. Another thing one of our club members does is he actually live streams to Facebook and shows the moon and talks to people that want to see it remotely. And in the time of COVID, that was really useful for outreach. It's kind of gone by the wayside, but I guarantee you that's another way to get the word out about amateur astronomy and do outreach. I'll tell you one thing I've been doing lately. You can use this for your own outreach. I encourage it. But one of the mountain ranges on the moon is called the Apennines. It's named after a mountain range in Italy. And I usually tell this to young couples, but I talk to people about having a bucket list and tell them here are the Apennines. Now you've seen the Apennines on the moon. Should you ever take a trip to Italy, take it upon yourself to maybe go visit and see the Apennines. And then you can say that you've seen both the Apennines on the moon and the Apennines in Italy. Who else can say they've done that? That's a heck of a memory to have. That's a great story to tell your kids. It's one of those things that you'll never forget. It makes that moment really special. The moon is just one more object to show. It's one more object in our night sky to know about. It's an object that everybody knows, recognizes, and has some sort of familiarity with. One view through the telescope looking at the moon is going to inspire somebody to get their first telescope. One view of the moon through a telescope is going to change some kid's life. People are going to remember you. People are going to thank you. People are going to appreciate what you've done for them. Doesn't your club want to be that kind of organization? So as I said at the beginning, just show the moon. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next month on Astronomy Outreach Podcast.